I'm Heidi. I'm Heather. And we're sisters. This is the H&H Show. Hey friends, we're back at it. Heather, I am getting over a summer cold, so I sound oh, different Those than are normal. the worst. They're just weird. I know. I feel like you expect a cold in winter, but in summer, you just want to be, you know, healthy and happy all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and yet they pop up. They do. So oh. it is Heidi sitting here in the seat next to Heather. I just don't sound like Heidi. So good to see you. Thank you. Good to see you as well. Um, Heather, I'm excited about this show today. Yes. It's going to be a fun one. Um, our show is about highlighting ordinary moments and understanding that they really are extraordinary, right? Yes. And if absolutely. People have been listening for even a minute. They know that, right? Um, but today's guest is a fun one because we met in a super ordinary way. Okay. Tell us. We met sitting at a baseball diamond. Oh, I love it. So, right? How American. Sitting at a baseball diamond, watching our kids play baseball. Yes. And um, we just struck up a conversation. And the interesting thing is this person's son was playing on the other team, but we were sitting on the same side because it was like a thousand degrees that day and we were sitting in the only shade. So we were side by side. That's awesome. And um, since we found that we have a ton of connections um, in our city and in our friends groups and stuff like that. so You know what I love about that so much too is that... I think we need to do that more where we just start having conversations with people who are right next to us, whether it be a cab driver, you know, your Uber driver or someone that you're sitting next to on a plane or someone at a baseball game, because you, you get to hear people's stories and you get to, if you're a follower of Jesus, you get to be Jesus to that person in that moment. And I think we've gotten so, our world has gotten so much obsessed with their screens that you just, you look around and at a baseball game and you see people just looking at their screens and they're not talking to one another. And so I love that. And, you so know, good. I would say to our listeners, like, make that your goal this week to mm-hmm. talk to people, to yeah. look them in the eyes and to talk to them. Yeah. And sometimes it can feel a bit awkward. You know, the other person cannot be receptive or yeah, and that's like, okay. okay, this is weird, but you know, just keep trying and you never know. You might end up with a friend right in front of you that that's you right. didn't even know God was yes. trying to give you. Absolutely. So I would love to welcome to the h and show. Courtney Rickster. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me. We're so excited to have you. I'm pretty excited to be here. I yeah. don't think I realized just like even where this was all going when we met at the baseball game. Right. So just the opportunity to meet some cool ladies in my community who I probably would have met in one way or another. I think Jesus was kind of working that somehow, some way. But here we are. Here so we are. Fun. I love it. Well, and that's our favorite thing on this show is to have just ordinary people come. That's why we started this show. We mm-hmm. wanted to give Ordinary people who don't normally have a platform to share their story, maybe haven't written a book or, you know, have this this big space where they tell their story, and we wanted to give people the space to tell I would say I'm about as ordinary as they come. So. <laughs> oh, I don't know. You've got a pretty great personality shining through here. So, okay. So we don't know you real well, okay. and our listeners may not know you. So give us a little bit of information about who you are. Tell sure. us about... All the things, your husband, your kids, your business. Okay, so my name is Courtney Rixner. Um, I am a wife. I am the mother of three kids who are really spread in age, so I'm kind of different in that regard. I have an 18-year-old, a 13-year-old, and an 8-year-old, so I feel like I'm kind of networked in way different communities, Yes, (laughs) at least surrounding my kids. We own a business, a local business, so we own a restaurant. We own the Fox Pub. So that's a whole different conundrum in yeah. my world. Mm-hmm. And I also teach preschool. So I teach at Salem Lutheran Preschool. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're kind of involved in all different weird parts of our community. We've attended different churches here, um, played all different sports that you can imagine with our kids. Yeah. And one thing we found is it's just a beautiful community. Yes. I mean, Peoria is just kind of exceptional in that regard. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I say to people all the time, like, well, I mean, you know this, but your listeners probably don't, but I moved here from California, grew up in Northern California where I lived for 30 years. So the Midwest was totally different to me when I relocated. Had you ever even been in the Midwest? Um, No. 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 And certainly never lived. Yeah. I mean, where I grew up was so vastly different Mm -hmm. than the Midwest. And I often say this, like, I wish I had started blogging or like journaling about where I came from when I moved to the Midwest, just all the things I learned about where I had always grown up. Mm. Like, I don't think you know a lot about where you come from until you leave. And then you realize that like, that's not normal. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Or like that, it was just your way of life. Like you didn't know anything different. So I was like, I wish I would have thought to start journaling right then Mm. and like really recording like what those foundational things were that I took for granted, like just took them for granted. Like that was just my, yeah. I think sometimes like when I visit and stuff, I remember it, but it always triggers for me like what it's like um, when you get married. Like you guys will get this, like when you get married and you're partnering with somebody who comes from a completely different family. Like you don't realize that other families are not like yours. <laughs> right. right. Like the family you grew up in is like all you know. Yes. And so then you like come together and you're like, oh my word, you do that so differently than I do. Like even holidays or right. I don't know, laundry. Loading or like the dishwasher. Totally. Yes. Like how yeah. come your mom just let you rinse the dishes and put them in the sink? Like I want our kids to rinse them and load them. Yes. You know, but like I can't even get my husband to do that. Right. Because he's never done that because his mom Correct. never had him do that. And my mom yes. did. And so funny. I don't know. It's kind of the same about where you came from. It is so true. Yes. But moving to the Midwest came with like a lot of really positive perks for me. Like okay, just, what were some of those? Um, The warmth of the mm. people. I mean, just the fact that in the Midwest, when you go through the checkout line at Kroger, somebody says like, how are you? They really mean it. Yeah. Like they really want you to tell them how you are. Wow. Like that means a lot to me. Like I grew up in a place where oftentimes people would close their garage door before they got out of their car. Interesting. Like here, it's like, hey, neighbor. Like I remember my very first time of like driving through our little neighborhood. The neighbor was like outside waving their arms. And I thought like, I got out and looked if my trunk was open. You're like, what's wrong? I was like, what's wrong? Like, need help? <laughs> Great. They were just saying hello. I was like the new person and they didn't know me. Oh, yeah. And that stuff sticks with you yeah. when you haven't had that mm-hmm. welcoming feeling that the Midwest brings. Hmm. I don't know. I say, I tell my family this all the time because they like to complain about that I live where it's snowy. Like, we're not coming in the winter, this and that. I'm like, yeah, but you know, the weather's cold and the hearts are warm. Oh, I love that. Like, it is the warmest Mm. group of people Mm. for me that Mm -hmm. I've ever been Mm -hmm. surrounded in. The most Mm -hmm. welcoming in, in, like I said, all those different facets of my life, Mm -hmm. I've been super included. Hmm. I love that. I I agree. I think I've traveled a lot and I'm mm-hmm. always so happy to come back home because it is, it really is. It's just a, it's almost like it's a, like a, a warm blanket wrapped around you here. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love what you just said right there. I spent my twenties traveling a lot. I feel like I've lived like multiple lives already. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not that old. No, I'm only 40, but <laughs> I did. I traveled a lot and there were a few things like 
at that stage of life, I didn't feel like my home or even my community was a place I wanted to be. And I felt like I was constantly running from Mm. the life I had created. And so I would try to do these like geographicals, right? Like if Mm -hmm. I could geographically move, like I'm going to fill my bucket here or I'm going to be fuller if I'm with these friends. Or maybe if I have this cultural experience, I'll be Mm. wiser. And all of that I realized is no matter where I went, there I was. Interesting. Like that was it. Yeah. I was still there. Yeah. And I, if I didn't want to go home and I was constantly running, I needed to figure out why I didn't want to go home. Hmm. And if I was still alone with myself, maybe I need to take a little look in the mirror and figure out like why that felt so uncomfortable. Yeah. And what had happened. Wow. In that point. And I mean, for me, I go back to in that reflection, like one of the biggest things I've learned is that it wasn't a a community where I felt super grounded in my faith. Okay. Or that I had like other believers surrounding me and enveloping me. Like yeah. mm-hmm. I just felt I never really had a home church. I drifted. It was like I was in that stage of life again in your 20s where I like I could justify to myself why it was fine to not um, practice the morals I really believed in uh-huh. or be who I knew wow. I was. Like I could find comfort in other people telling me that was okay. Yeah, sure. Justifying it for Ju- you. Mm-hmm. Right. And I became really good at justifying it for myself. Yeah. And one of the things that Peoria has brought for me is just like a community of other people who have the same morals as me and are also helping me to live out yes. my faith yes. and my morals and remind me that like, mm-hmm. hey, but Jesus. Right. That's like, what it's all about. Yeah. Right. And without that, yeah. young or old, and, and, and I think younger, you don't know these things, so you look back at them, right? Right. Sure. It's like journaling about where you grew up. Yeah. You know, it's like journaling about my 20s and my 40s. And yeah. You do have this ability to look back and reflect, but your community matters so much. I think it's so valuable. And as younger people, I think we often see our friends or our community as a source of fun and yeah. adventure and, you know, people to go out to dinner with and to have parties with. And as we get older, we recognize they're actually mostly and and the most important part of the friendship is about the sharpening that Mm. we do with one another absolutely that's what I've learned like yes I still love to have fun with my friends Mm -hmm. but what I most value is that they sharpen me and I sharpen them Mm -hmm. you know that and that's biblical iron sharpens iron and that's that's what that scripture is talking about is a friend you know or a person a relationship that we have being able to help rub those rough mm-hmm. edges off of one another. Mm-hmm. And and I think you do, maybe you know a little bit of that when you're younger, but the older you get, the more you're like, oh, that's actually what this is about. Absolutely. I mean, I think it, if you can kind of submerge yourself with other people who don't only root you, but yeah. they all also put like the wind in the branches of your tree, yeah. like mm-hmm. you need a little bit of both, right? You need yeah. grounding, but you also need somebody to rustle the leaves a little bit yeah. and like remind you why you stand yes. still. Mm, that's so good yeah Yeah, I I love that okay so I want to talk more about this but we ask our guests this okay and everybody trips over it a little bit but it's such a good brain exercise for us I know exactly where you're going because I've been tripping about this (laughs) I know like I was like okay I don't really know I know so tell us what's something about your life that feels really ordinary It's really funny because as I thought about these two questions, the thing that feels the most ordinary to me is that I'm just a mom living the dream, right? Like I'm just a wife and a mom who's trying every day to make it from that time that alarm goes off Mm -hmm. to the time I go to bed. Like, okay, well, 
what's going to happen today? I'm going to get my kids to camp. I'm going to make sure bags are packed. One needs a lunch. One doesn't because I'll eat this and one won't eat that. And I don't know. Did I bring a towel? Shoot, I forgot a swimsuit. But I did remember goggles. And Mm -hmm. now let's go to swim team. And one has a swim meet and one has dance practice and one's at a baseball game. Like that feels so ordinary, right? And somewhere in the middle of that, I'll run the vacuum and probably get gas in my car and, you know, do those things that are just like lifing, right? Like my lifing thing. So my day-to-day life feels super ordinary Mm -hmm. and cliche. Yeah. I think probably every single listener can relate to that. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. it's like, I get that. Even Mm -hmm. if they're not a mom, or like a parent, I, they're like, I get that. Mm-hmm. I like, do the same exact thing in my lane. Mm-hmm. Right. And I feel like I have like the same ordinary challenges as other people. Like, did I make time for me to read my devotions today and actually yeah. do the things I'm trying to encourage my family to do? Like, did I make time for me to take a walk because I just needed that space and needed my movement? Like, right. did I make time? It's like survival. Yes. yes. Like, I feel like what's ordinary is I am in like survival mode. Yes. 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 No, totally. I totally get that. We can relate. We we talk about this all the time because so many people, that is their reality. Yeah. You know, the, it's a very small percentage of people that have these really dramatic lives, you know, that are maybe different every day and they're, but most of us are just, just doing the everyday life thing. Right. So then how in those moments do we see the extraordinary? How do we start to see those things as extraordinary? Sitting on your deck with your family, having dinner and going, this is extraordinary. Yeah. Being able to go to a gas station and fill up your car and not stress about, you know, how you're going to pay for it. That's extraordinary. Yeah. You know, being able to have a vacuum and run, run your vacuum over Mm -hmm. carpet. That's extraordinary. And when we switch our mindset Mm -hmm. to that, our lives are actually a lot fuller. So that's exactly, I was thinking back through, like you said, like, well, you know, what are the things that contribute to you having like a positive outlook? And it's like, well, as I was thinking through all of this, like what's extraordinary about my life is just that it is abundantly blessed. Mm. Like these are all the blessings, exactly what you just said right mm-hmm. there, Heather, that I can go get gas. That's right. That's a blessing that I literally just used my debit card, mm-hmm. that there was money in my account, right. that I can go to the grocery store and provide a meal for my family. To yes. me, that is extraordinary. Yes. A hundred percent. That is all exceptional stuff yes. that I can sit here in the summer and I can be at the swim meet Yeah, right? and That's that I right. can be at my business that is hosting a concert. It's extraordinary. It's live music. We're all hugging. I mean, amazing. it's it's amazing, right? So it's exactly that. Mm -hmm. It's your perspective of the ordinary that makes it extraordinary. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say there's one thing that's like, oh, this is what's extraordinary about my life. I think it's just a matter of looking at it as something different than that the ordinary is the extraordinary. Yes. Yes. How do you want it to be? Right. That's right. That's the whole point. We hear that feedback from the listeners all the time. Mm -hmm. So we've been doing this. Five years? Yeah. Five years. Mm-hmm. And that's been our feedback is thank you for helping me to see the extraordinary in my everyday life. Right. In the mundane, in realizing that really the small things are the big things. Mm-hmm. And that's what God intended for us to participate in. Mm-hmm. And we love hearing that because we realize how similar we all are. Right. Mm-hmm. And that we, yes, we are uniquely wired and uniquely created, but we're so similar. Right. In that God has put us, you know, given us these blueprints, a life to live out. But in our very core, we all have the same feelings and the same emotions and the same yeah. thoughts on our ordinary lives. Sure. And the same opportunity to be very positive about what We do is have our the life. opportunity to be positive. I also think as soon as we start like um, maybe letting, taking our walls down a little bit 
and being open about some of the challenges and emotions and things that we're facing yes. in our ordinary lives, mm-hmm. you can really recognize that you're not alone. That's right. And as soon as you, and it's not even just like with other humans, like that is great, like with your friends or with mm-hmm. your spouse or yeah. even with your children, like mm-hmm. communicating about the ordinary and being super real with your emotions is probably step one, but also kind of like just laying it down to Jesus and being like, yeah, I really just don't know what I'm doing daily. Mm-hmm. and. Yeah. I have to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if today's the day that I'm going to feel led or not, but I'm going to have to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. And sitting in that really uncomfortable space Mm -hmm. and being able to create some element of peace with it, or at least, I don't know, go for a walk and burn off the energy, that anxious energy that is bringing you. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it's not going to resolve because you say, okay, Jesus, bring me that resolution. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it you takes, might still have to sit in it. You have to mm-hmm. sit in it. Yeah. yeah. You just yeah. do. Yeah. And I think for me, I've been through a lot in 10 years. We all have, right? I mean, it's a horrible year. But when you go through hardship, if you can walk away out of that hardship and recognize like, I'm still standing. Like so far I've survived. Like there's this quote, right? It's like, so far you've survived 100% of your worst days. That's right. And I'm like, that's right. That's right. Like I am still standing. Yeah. I'm still here. What do I want to do with that? Yeah. That's so good. Because I mean, a hardship does change your perspective on things. Like real, true grief. It yes. Does. Yes, or it does. Or trauma or just those feelings of uncertainty and anxiety mm-hmm. and mental health and all of these real phenomenons that are plaguing us in our society. Yes. Yes. You know, if you can get real Mm -hmm. about what is going on and then sit in it Mm -hmm. and then say, but truly I am still standing. Right. What does it look like for you personally to let your people in when you're not feeling like you're going to be standing here in a minute? Like, what does it look like for you to be vulnerable with people around you? That's always been really hard for me, actually. I feel like I have my whole life created my own expectations of perfection Mm -hmm. and wellness and like, I've got this. And I am obviously pretty type A. I'm sure that's coming across the airwaves. (laughs) But, you know, I've set myself up to be this certain character in my own production, right? Mm -hmm. And so to let those walls down to people and say, I need help. I'm not okay. Um, It's always been a a really big challenge. If anything, I'd say, especially growing up, I would just unravel. Mm -hmm. Like maybe have a huge emotional meltdown or cry really hard or, I don't know, completely lose my cool before I could stop and reflect and say, I, I, if I could have stepped back Mm -hmm. and let the walls down and maybe like just took that white flag and raised it a little bit and just said like, okay, I need help. Yeah. SOS. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like it is not easy for me still to this day. I feel like I spend more time with honest reflection in the Mm -hmm. aftermath. Like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. maybe even saying to my kids like, Hey, that was a bummer that I did that. Yeah. And I'm sorry yeah. and I'm a human and I'm a mom and I don't do things right all the mm-hmm. time and I'm going to keep trying and mm-hmm. I learned this from that exchange and do you forgive me? Mm-hmm. I think that rhythm of humility in front of yeah. our kids is so valuable. Mm-hmm. I do too. Of our kids seeing their mom mm-hmm. or their dad be humble enough to say, hey, I messed up. 
will you forgive me? Mm -hmm. Seeing them as like treating them as they are the adults they are becoming Mm -hmm. and having those adult conversations and not just assuming that, well, I had a bad attitude, but it didn't affect them. Because it so does affect them. It absolutely affects them. And, you know, you have to be careful, right? Because you are molding these little humans and we set expectations for them. Like these are the behaviors that we'd like to see from you. These are our values. These are the ways that we're called in Christ. And yet we are also imperfect. That's right. And so we model imperfect behaviors. And if we can't acknowledge them, how can we ever ask them to say they're sorry for the times that they're not modeling the behaviors that they're proud of? That's right. So, I mean, that it is. It's just lead by example. So yeah. Yeah. I, I guess that's probably the best way I can say that I ask for help. I, I, I'm still not great at it. That is still something I work at on the regular mm-hmm. is saying like, hey, you know what? when someone offers like, can I bring you a meal? Like, yeah, you can. Yes. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to do that for the most part. I'm like, no, 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 I'll bring you two meals. Yes. <laughs> exactly. yep. You bring me one, I'll send you three thank you cards. Yes. Like, yeah. I don't know yeah. how to accept help yeah. mm-hmm. very well. Yeah. But I have learned how to give myself more grace. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe that's the first step. Yeah. Like I know I'm getting closer. That's so good. That is so I good. I can relate to that so deeply. And I think it's because I'm like you where I'm like, I can do it. Mm -hmm. I'm capable. Mm -hmm. And I'm even more than capable. I can do it for myself and I can do it for you. Me too, Heather. I've always uh, said, I can do everything. Yes. I can do anything. Like people have said, what what do you want to be when you grow up? Like what do you want your job to be? I said, I can do anything. Mm -hmm. Like get me an interview. I'll tell you why I can do that job. Tell me I can't and watch me do it. Yeah. (laughs) That, you tell me I can't do something and I'm going to do it twice. And I'm actually going to rewrite the manual on how to do it. So is that good? Did I do it? Yeah. Yeah. But I think it has, the older I've gotten and I've asked the Lord to help me work mm-hmm. on this because I do need help. Me too. I'm a human being who mm-hmm. breaks too. Mm-hmm. And just because I seem strong all the time doesn't mean that I am strong mm-hmm. all the time. Right. And what happens is you start – there comes this fixation, right? So you might hit 99 base hits, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when you're this type of personality, yeah. that one foul ball yeah. like haunts you at night. You yeah. go to bed like yes. – I hit that foul ball oh, and that catcher you. chased it down and yep. he caught that foul ball. And then my husband's like, but you had 99 base hits. And I'm like, <laughs> not good enough. But I failed yeah. this one. Yeah. Yes, like, I know. But that is such a haunting mm-hmm. and untrue evil mm-hmm. like is. coming mm-hmm. at you. It really is. It's not real. Correct. Well, and how true that we wouldn't let our kids be that hard on themselves. No. But we tend to be that hard on ourselves. Yeah. You know, and we, we don't want to model that. Right. behavior in order to let them do that when they're in their 40s. Yeah. But somehow we justify that for ourselves because like, well, I need to be sure. the standard of whatever I consider perfection to be. Mm-hmm. And I think just the constant reminder that if if it's not emulating the character of Jesus, it probably doesn't need to exist in our lives mm-hmm. either. Exactly. I think the other thing you just hit right there, my mom said this to me, and I think you'll probably really relate to this, Heather. Like, my mom and I at one point were having a conversation about my two brothers and I was kind of questioning her about how come the standards were different. Mm. Like how come I had to get straight A's and how come I had to be this achiever and how come this and that and this was okay for them but it wasn't okay for me and you know those conversations you have later in your 20s or 30s that you feel like somehow you got slighted and your brothers had it better, very mature conversation I was having. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't know, sisters. Oh, we're, yeah. we're laughing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're having this conversation and my mom just goes, oh, 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 the standards were not different. You guys were different. You were the pusher, not me. 
You, it wasn't me. It was wow. you. You were the one that had to get the grades and had to be on the leadership team and had to like play the captain of the softball team and had to do community service and had to make sure that if you were the star of the show, that was you mama. who pushed, pushed, pushed. As you can see, I just want you guys all to be yourself. It was never me. Ooh, I have chills. <laughs> right? It was such a wise reflection. And I mean, it silenced me like and stuck with me mm-hmm. and became part of my moral fiber like wow. forever. Like, oh, that is actually something about me. But when I became a mom, it's something I have to really keep in check mm-hmm. because she's right. I am the pusher. Hmm. So do I project that onto my kids? Wow. And am I causing them anxiety and stress because mm-hmm. I am a pusher? Because yeah. I'm like, yeah, you're eight, you're on the swim team. That's be at that swim meet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're exhausted. Yeah. And I'm like, does yeah. it even matter? Right. Yeah. Especially like, if they're not your personality or a type A where they need that. You and know? my kids are not all yeah. my personality. My kids are all so different. First of all, all three of them are completely different. Yeah. Yes. And they're not me. Yeah. And don't you feel like the minute you feel like you have it like mastered in parenting one of your kids, you realize you've oh forget you it. know nothing. I know nothing because you've got to totally do it different for your other two. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. the only thing I I try to like remind myself of this when I start to feel derailed. Like some of the most important like fields in our whole world, like medicine or law, like all these things in America that are like so foundational, right? We think of, they're just practices. Like they just practice medicine. That's right. (laughs) They just practice law. So it's okay. I'm just practicing parenting. I love that. I have to really remind myself of this. Like the most, the smartest doctors are just practicing. So like I'm a good mom, but I'm just practicing. So good. That is really good. Because I don't know how else to make it okay. Like you feel so much. Oh yeah. What and a great way to give yourself grace. I'm you know, really not working to make on it, that. Not to make yeah. excuses for yeah. our shortcomings, but to give yourself the grace to, right. to do it better next time. Yeah. Well, and to know we're going to mess up and that's okay. You yeah. know? And it is okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's really – and not only is it okay, but you have to be willing to take a minute and like reflect back through it. Like it's okay – but I have to take more from it right. and try differently, right? Because that's yeah. what I ask my kids, right? If you do it one way and it doesn't work, well, try it another way. You yeah. still might not get the outcome you're looking for, but at least you tried something else. And if that doesn't work, try again. Yeah. Right? Try that's again. Right. Try again. Try again. And that's all I'm doing too. Yeah. And parenting, I mean, to me, I don't know about you ladies, but parenting was far more instinctual to me than marriage. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost primal, right? Like makes – like the most like mammal thing I do. Yeah. Like that's mm-hmm. the thing mm-hmm. that Yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah, like that's the thing that just seems totally instinctual. Yeah. To yeah. me. Yeah. Marriage feels way harder. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I am choosing this. I am yeah. intentional mm-hmm. in this. We are worlds apart. Mm-hmm. I don't even get to like look at you and see like my genetic idiosyncrasies that make it like acceptable. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> like yeah. I only see our differences. Yes. Yeah. All the time. Oh, so true. Yeah. Yet we have to align. Yeah. So, and we so have to good. seem aligned. Yes. Right? Like we have to present aligned even to these three people yeah. who are looking to us to be aligned when we're like, yeah. I Why don't even... are you doing that? Yeah. Talk to us about. Wait, we, we got to go back to that for a second. That is so good. Yeah. Okay, because think about this. You look at your child and you see yeah. a reflection of yourself. Right? Yeah. You usually like, I see me in right. that attitude and mm-hmm. that characteristic. And it makes you, it makes it easier to accept to it. then accept yeah. that or right. to, to value it. And you're right with your spouse. Because you recognize you're it. You're very often the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that that is brilliant, Courtney. Yeah. 
And I think that is often why in marriage, people choose their children over their spouse. Mm. Well, you see it all the time. Because it's easier. It's easier. And it's the most comfortable. Mm -hmm. And my my family dynamic's a little bit different probably than most people. So when I met my husband, he was a single dad. Mm -hmm. So my oldest two children are not biologically mine. Mm. They are... I've adopted them. They are my children. I have raised them from very young ages. My oldest son came into my life when he was seven, and my daughter was like 18, 17, 18 months. Wow. So really still very formative years. Right. Yes. I am mom. There is no lines between yeah. that. Yeah. But I do look at them oftentimes, and I see their dad. I see a lot of their dad. Okay. And then yeah. I see also a lot of unknown. Uh-huh. And then I also see, which is the twist, when you are an adoptive parent, I see my parenting coming through them. Wow. Interesting. Like I see yeah. it's that nature versus nurture, right? Like I can yes. really acknowledge like that's the nature of my husband. This might be a nature I don't understand, mm-hmm. but I can see my nurture and the way that it's really influenced like who this is. So now I have this like trifecta. Mm-hmm. I have this trinity and these two kids with an unknown triangle point. Wow. Mm. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's but a, complicated. It, but complicated. Yeah. Exactly. And then I have, you know, our youngest son is biologically ours. Mm. And I have a lot less unknown, but sure. also the hardship of really having to grapple with myself mm-hmm. and seeing things in him and behaviors in him that I have had to look at and say, whoa, that's me. Mm. And I maybe need to take a little look about that because it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah natural tendencies of, you know, maybe a little bit of OCD and anxiety mm-hmm. and things that maybe I wrestle with. Yeah. Seeing that genetically come through and then also wondering how my nurture is creating these behaviors on top right. of it. Like you take the two together. Right. You know, and if you don't pause and think about it, it it's kind of lost. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's one thing we talked about at the baseball game yeah. that is actually I said to you after we talked about this, I said I want to podcast you because we hear it in our circle because I think we're parenting in a similar way, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily the most common thing to right. hear about parenting. And so two things. First of all, it I think you said that you and your husband had pretty different upbringings. Absolutely different So your upgrade. approach to parenting maybe wasn't mm-hmm. like magnetic the same, so easy to mesh. Right. Um, so I want to talk about that. But then I also want to talk about leading into that parenting against the grain and some of the yeah. things you're doing and even things I was hearing you talk about to your kiddos at the ballpark. And I was like, mm-hmm. this is so familiar to me, but this is so not familiar to many people. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's talk about that. Absolutely. I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think if you stand back and look at the way that I parent or that my husband parents, it would be considered against the grain, at least by today's standards. Mm-hmm. Um, we are not incredibly permissive just because society says so, or it's going in that direction. We take a really holistic approach to raising our children. So it's got to be mind, body, spirit, Mm -hmm. faith, education. Everything together is about raising souls Yes, more than just checking boxes. Mm -hmm. And I, I think for me, really accepting that exhaustion is part of that and that this is what God has called me to do. This is the most important job that I have. I think of like Mother Teresa saying the quote, like, if you really want to change the world, go home and love your children. Or, you know, to me, that's all the influence that I really have in this world. Mm -hmm. I have these three souls 
that God has gifted me to impact for future generations. Yes. And I take that so seriously. Yeah. So just because society says like hand your kid a phone and give them TikTok and let them do that dance and your family should record it together, it doesn't mean that I want to do that. Like, yeah. Like I need safety of mind, mm-hmm. not just – I don't know – I feel like I've spent a lot of time like swimming upstream in parenting Mm -hmm. because sitting with exhaustion is harder for parents. Mm -hmm. So we just, as a community or as a society, I should say, we just break. Mm -hmm. Like kids are hard. They will challenge you about everything, right? So you you teach them to be a thinker. Mm-hmm. You want them to think. You want them to ask you questions. And then they ask you questions that are so hard. And they challenge you in ways that are beyond your own comprehension that you yeah. don't have answers for. Yeah. yeah. And it's so tiring that you – and because because I said so doesn't work. Right. That's not a thing. Right. right. That you just say, well, fine. But that's not what we're supposed to do. No. It's not, well, fine, because fine is never – good enough. Right. And just because everybody's doing it, not good enough. Right. So, I mean, we've made a lot of decisions for our kids that were very unpopular for them. Yeah. But I know right for us as a family, Mm -hmm. and I can really see kind of the proof in the pudding now, like that I have, I have one through the other side, right? So, and they're never through the other side. Right. But one where you're getting more regular reminders that your foundational work has maybe put like the rebar in their cement foundation. Mm, I love like that. you only you only get to control so much with your kids. Yeah. That's right. Okay, so I always say it's like, you know, a third you know, what I can do. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe a third like of their own free will that God gifted them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that is that and then a third of just the world around them, right? Yes. Like but I have to give 110% to my third. That's yeah. what Jesus is asking me to do. Wow. You fill your third to the brim. Let it overflow mm-hmm. so that if there's less of a percentage somewhere else, like your overflow can fill up there. Yeah. And then you have actually made more, more impact. Yeah. Mm, that's really good. Yeah. I that's don't know. Really I good. think it's – there were seasons. Like parenting comes with seasons just like life. Mm-hmm. There were seasons I felt super distraught. Like I don't think this is ever going to work. Am I ruining them? Like, well, or I don't know, Jesus, like, I, I don't know how long I can hang on. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, especially now parents are so tired. Mm-hmm. It was a hard year mm-hmm. for yes, it everybody. It was a hard year for the world yes. collectively, but then everybody has their individual hardships mm-hmm. and exhaustion. Everybody just wants to lay down and make it easier. Hand the kids a tablet, yeah. let them just be busy. Yeah. But that's not it. Right. Yeah. Right. It's and, harder to have conversations. It's harder to sit there and say, this is why we made this decision. Mm-hmm. We were on vacation a few weeks ago and my son, who's 14, he looks older than 14, mm-hmm. but he was handed on the way out of the restaurant. He was handed a note by the hostess who was probably 20-ish and it had her snap handle on it. Wow. And, you know, I that was the first time that had happened yeah. um, in like public like that. Mm-hmm. And I, first of all, was like about ready to go march back in that restaurant yeah. and be like, he's 14 years old. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> he is with his mother. You know? <laughs> well, there's no bounds anymore, Heather. I there mean, are, I think I that's know. the thing. When it comes to people like sharing their social media, like ways to connect, yes. there are no there more aren't. bounds. There aren't. And yeah. that's what we got to have because my children don't have Snapchat. 
And we got to have this really great conversation with my 11-year-old and my 14-year-old about a few things. One, why we don't have Snapchat. And two, what it looks like to give your personal information to a total stranger and what could come from that. Yeah. And then the third thing that we talked about, which was great because it was this this whole thing that led to this great conversation with our kids that we took the time Mm -hmm. to sit down and have with them. And it was guarding your heart. Mm -hmm. And when you give a piece of your heart, whether it's over Snap or whether it's, you know, a text or whatever it might be, you still might give a piece of your heart to that person that then you don't have to give to the person down the road. Absolutely. It was this great conversation and, you know, it kind of freaked me out for a minute just because it was the first time that we had had that act. Like we've had those conversations a lot as our kids have been growing up, Mm -hmm. but this was the reality of like, oh, here we are now. Mm -hmm. And I will say like, from that first conversation, you're going to have that same conversation in different forms so many more times. I feel like we started conversations like that and they, I don't know if I could feel like they sunk in like they did with repetition. Mm -hmm. You know, you say it once and you can kind of see their wheels turning, right? But they also dismiss things because you're mom, right? Like, it's hard no matter how you slice it. There's not a teenager that's going to be like, you know what? My mom knows so much. <laughs> and my mom is like so smart and so cool. Yeah. Like if and any, I totally agree with her. <laughs> it's just not they're no. they're just not going to do it. No. So you get no. over that no matter quickly. how good the kid is. Yeah. No, I yeah. mean, they probably aren't going to have any of those conversations with you, like at least like, especially your teenage girls, like until they need to know how to cook a turkey <laughs> at 30, right? So then they call on Thanksgiving morning, like, what do I do, mom? You're so smart, you know? It's true. It's, it's just a thing. True. So they kind of dismiss you a little mm-hmm. bit and they kind of um, treat you like you're dramatic, right? Yeah. Like you're a little bit like, guard mm-hmm. my heart. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm 14. I don't like even like people. You know, I mean, they just can't, Totally, they just miss it. But the more you say Uh it and the more repetition, Uh like I treat parenting a lot like bumper bowling. Mm -hmm. So like my job is to keep the bumpers in the lanes Mm -hmm. until we can let them down. And then like, if you go in the gutter, you know how to get yourself back out. Like, I don't care if you knock down all the pins, Mm -hmm. not what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. We're not looking for a strike in life. Mm -hmm. We're just trying to get down the lane without going in the gutter. And if we knock down three pins this time, that's good. Let's try to knock down the other ones on the next throw. You know, I just don't know how else to explain it to my kids, but like I have lived a life. Mm-hmm. And so I do know a few things, right. but because, because they're teenagers yeah. and because they're kids, they just can't trust you with that yet. Right. They just can't yeah. trust you that you know what they know. They don't feel like you do. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think if you, if you are talking and you're, they're going to hear your voice in their head forever. And that's why we have to. And that's yes. why I tell parents, especially parents with littles all the time, like say it, even though they might not understand it, say it, even though they might not fully comprehend, they're going to hear. And, and I do believe what we speak over them, they become. Absolutely. You know? I mean, I've prayed, I've said this lots of times on yeah. the show, but since my daughter was really little, I prayed two things over her, that she'd have strong conviction and a tender spirit. And that girl, has both of those in spades. Like yes. she does. And it's yeah. because she became what I prayed over her. Right. That's right. So it's the same thing with our kids. We tell them, you know, you're capable, you're wise, you're a leader. You have the ability to stand up against Absolutely. this, uh, you know, this thing that's in front of you that you might be tempted in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're going to, they might not get it right all the time. They might not get the right. strike all the time, but they're going to have that, that repetitive voice in their head. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And then you start to see that they like live those things out. 
like at 18, I can really see that now. I can see that in my oldest son's, like just his reflection, um, just his footprint in the world, Mm -hmm. like the things he chooses to do or doesn't choose to do, the way he treats other people, Mm -hmm. um, the tender soul he has when he sees a baby. I mean, just like seeing him appreciate the innocence of the world because his heart says that's special. Mm, like that's it. pretty magical. Like yeah. he's quite clear he doesn't want a baby, but he can look at a baby and see the innocence that the world still delivered, like, yeah. like Christ brought back. Yes. And I can see that in him. Mm, yeah. It's yeah, fabulous. Special. Or you mm-hmm. start to hear, you know, my 13-year-old daughter said something the other day. And it's, you know, I say this to my kids a lot because – I do think it matters. I think, like I said, like our footprint, right? Yes. Your footprint in the world, your footprint in the community. Mm-hmm. Like in the eyes of the community, you are as good as the company you keep. Absolutely. Whether you, if you have friends who go into Walgreens and they steal mascara, if you're with them, you're going down with that like That's sinking right. ship, right? Yeah. So right. in the eyes of the community, mm-hmm. that's what it looks like, yes. whether it's you or not. Right. So your behaviors matter. Your choices matter. You have to be accountable to yourself. Like your parents being good people isn't good enough. Like you can't ride our coattails. Like eventually people are going to look to you and they're going to wonder like, is that person authentically who they are? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want you to be Eddie Haskell, right? I'm not looking for you to create this person that's not real. If you want people to believe you're a good human, you have to be a good human. There's not, there's not, the other way. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and it makes me think of Proverbs where it says that a companion of fools corrupts yes. good morals. Yes. And it's so true. We mm-hmm. are always becoming who we're around. Mm-hmm. And, yes. you know, I think the it, it's, are we around the truth of Jesus? Are mm-hmm. we spending time with Jesus? Mm-hmm. Are we becoming more like him? Mm-hmm. And are we choosing our influences wisely? Right. And, you know, I think it's definitely a difficult conversation, especially with social media right now where you feel like you have so many friends, but really when you are very introspective and you go, really, who are the people influencing me daily Mm -hmm. on a, on a personal level, Mm -hmm. face to face, and are they the right people? Mm -hmm. So I think it's interesting, Heidi, because I think we talked a little bit about this at baseball. Like I have been really strict with my kids with social media, even phones, period. And I would say I am a parent who very closely monitors stuff. And I will tell you, we have had things happen that even under our close watch mm-hmm. were incredibly dangerous mm-hmm. and that we had to pull back and go, whoa, you know, I mean, the very first device my son was ever given was from a school, mm-hmm. you know, and, I'm, and I actually believe this is probably the case for a lot of parents and I wasn't comfortable with it. Mm-hmm at all. And it became a huge problem in my home. And it continued that way until, I mean, I actually had to, I mean, my husband and I, maybe this is just our parenting technique, but like sometimes to make an impact, you have to make an impact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If yep. you say you're going to do something, if you say yes. like, there's no, I understand that you were given this device, but there's no technology in your bedroom. Yeah. And you say, you know, these are the boundaries mm-hmm. and your child continues to blow through the boundaries mm-hmm. and you say something like, I did this. This is a real thing. I said to my son, if you do that again, you won't have a bedroom to take it to. Mm, come on. <laughs> okay. I don't really know. I said it. First yeah. kid things, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he did it again. Yeah. And I was like, 
Right. Well, now what? Now what? He went to school. I moved his bed into the living room. Come on. I took apart his bed. Wow. I moved it to the living room. I took totes and put all his clothes under the bed. My husband was like, you have lost your mind. <laughs> I said, I, maybe. But when he walks in here today, yeah. he's going to know that I wasn't joking. Right. Like yeah. He looked at me that morning like, what are you going to do? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. He did not. Like, wow. he walked in from school and his jaw hit the floor. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what an impact. Yeah. And I mean, he's like, what in the world? What is this? Why is all my stuff up here? I said, I told you we weren't going to have a bedroom to go to. You yeah. did this. He's like, well, what, I have to sleep in the living room? I said, I guess so. Wow. Okay. Maybe a proud parenting moment. Maybe not a proud parenting moment. I don't totally know, but it worked. Yeah. yeah. And if you say it, you have to do it. That's yeah. the problem. You can't have gray area with your kids. Right. Mm-hmm. You have to be sure that you are meaning what you say and saying what you mean mm-hmm. and following through on yeah. all of that. Yeah. So true. And making sure that you're not making idle threats. Mm-hmm. Because if your kids don't trust you, mm-hmm. That's right. and they don't believe you, yeah. then you've lost your influence. Yes, yeah. you have. Yes. You've yeah. lost your ability to be their guide. Yeah. Yeah. That is why Jesus gave us these children. We are their guides. That's right. Yeah. That's so good. it. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I don't know. Again, you know, the technology problem, like my daughter still doesn't have a phone, was something we're really working towards. But again, she was permitted a device due to a school situation, mm-hmm. ended in a disaster, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like I had to grapple a lot with like, where do I fail? Where did I fail on mm-hmm. my supervision of some of these things? Mm-hmm. Um, but I will tell you, kids are very smart mm-hmm. and there's so much pressure. Mm-hmm. It's not even about failure anymore. It's just downright like the devil is in their ear. It is like, that's right. it is just at them. Yes. Non-stop, full yes. court press, more than I can even as one mom one believer yeah. more than I can battle. Yes, it is right. bigger. Yes. And it's not about my failure. I had to lay that down, right? Yeah. It's not me. I didn't fail as a mom. I didn't just like do it wrong. It's just that it's a really big battle. That's and so right. I have to shut it off. Yeah. yeah. I have right. to just absolutely block it out, put up the barrier and say, yeah. not in my house, Satan. That's like right. it's not happening. Yeah. That's right. Yes. Well, and I think it's so important for people to remember that just because you maybe feel like you lost that battle. Right you will not have to lose the war. Yeah, you're totally right. You know, because it, it's still coming. You know, right. you still have opportunity to help defeat those attacks. Absolutely. And, you know, it doesn't take away that it's still full court press for my kids that they still want those things. That's right. Even though they know how unsafe they are. Yeah. Even when they've been on the other side of it, mm-hmm. they want it to be like, well, you just don't trust me. It's That's like, right. well, it's not that I don't trust you. It's that I don't trust the enemy. That's right. And mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know how to explain that to them because they're still – trying to figure out the voice of the enemy. Right. Well, so am I. Yes. Yes. And so I only just have like a little bit more time over them. Right. And And that that power of influence is so strong, especially mm -hmm. in society now. Mm Right. And it's not fun to be the one that has to stand alone. It's not fun to be the one who... Well, of course, your mom won't let you do that because you guys are the Rixners. You know what I mean? Bring in the bullying. Yes. You know, like you're a baby. You don't have a phone. You're a this. You're, you know, and Mm -hmm. kids do believe that stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're so, um, the impact of their peers. Mm -hmm. So impressionable. It's so impressionable. And they just don't understand that they are worthy and created how they should be. And they haven't come full circle in any Mm -hmm. of that yet. Yeah. And they may not even understand it for decades. Right. I just had this conversation with someone mm-hmm. the other day because a lot of the way that we were raised was very against the grain. Mm-hmm. And there was much of our lives where um, we did things 
counterculturally mm-hmm. um, in lots of areas. And at the time, I was, you know, there were some things I was like, yeah, I'm on board. And there were some things like, this feels stupid. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know, know why we're doing this. And looking back now, and I have felt my whole life, you mentioned it earlier, like I've been swimming upstream yeah. against the current, against the way that every other fish is swimming. And just the other day, I had a conversation with someone that said, I now realize why. Because God had to prepare me for what I'm currently in, for this season, for this time in history, for what he's called us to Mm -hmm. as leaders, as parents, as as church Mm -hmm. leaders, Mm -hmm. for the things that he's asked us to do now. Had I not learned how to stand alone and Mm -hmm. swim upstream when I was 10, 12, 16, 20, 25 I wouldn't know how to do it now. Absolutely. I wouldn't know how to do it now. And yeah. it, so you might not even fully understand it until, you know, for me, it's decades later. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, compl- I couldn't agree with that more. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's even things like, like you were talking about how my husband and I had such different upbringings. Mm-hmm. Like my kids sometimes have a hard time understanding. They're like, well, that's not how you were raised. Yeah. I wasn't raised. I was raised in Northern California where life was um, freer. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more like, I, I don't know, just kind of like, well, you've got this Lucy goosey a little mm-hmm. bit more like my mom's like, I trust you. You're mm-hmm. going to be fine. You're mm-hmm. going to land on your feet. I mean, she was spiritual, but not necessarily a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. My, uh, my mom was my primary parent. I grew up, um, with a father who was, I would say probably less of a father figure as he was just a person who kind of came in and out. He, my dad was an alcoholic. It was good seasons, bad seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was the one who in my formative years kind of put impression on me of how, of how to be. Yeah. And she was relatively permissive, at least in the sense that she thought they're going to be fine. Mm. They can navigate hardship and they'll learn from it and land on their feet. Yeah. She wasn't full of rules. Again, I set the rules. Mm-hmm. Like she wasn't, consequences weren't, I mean, I only had like one really serious consequence in my life and mm. I definitely earned it. You know, yeah. I mean, it was yeah. like, I found myself and it's a behavior that I kept into, you know, especially into my twenties where I would push just to see what the boundary would be because I never had boundaries. Interesting. Right. So I would push to test people's boundaries. Yeah. I would push people like, well, is this going to make you fight with me? Yeah. I mean, until yeah. my husband where he had boundaries, it was the safest I've ever felt. Wow. Right. Cause he like, I would try it like, well, what about this? And he'd be like, hard no. And I'd be like, okay. Wow. Like, I like that. It's like you were longing to I was longing for rules and structure and boundaries because I think that's my personality type. So I create those things for my kids probably more because I always wanted them. Yeah. Not because it was, I'm a product of my environment Mm -hmm. where... You know, and, and my, my family history is definitely different. You know, I had – my parents did eventually divorce. Both of my parents remarried. Um, I'm super blessed with amazing step-parents. Mm. My dad found Christ wow. and him and my stepmom raised my stepsister, um, you know, in a, really in a very full church community. And, wow. and they moved to San Diego, so I was still in Northern California. They moved south, and my brother and I kind of went – in between. So, mm-hmm. you know, more or less like both of my parents had kind of introduced me to Christ, but then I kept getting 
tidbits of learning about Jesus. Um, But then also my mom's like spiritual edge. So she was such a free spirit, you know? Mm. So I don't know. I mean, I just had such a different environment and like with my stepdad, so with my two step parents, enter stepsister, enter um, adopted brother. Mm. So my mom and my stepdad, my my mom married um, a gentleman from the Caribbean. So my mom was like literally Stella got her groove back. Like she married her (laughs) dive master. (laughs) Like it's a super fun story. So I have this beautiful family of people from Grand Cayman as well in my, in my network. And they ended up adopting one of his nephews who was raised in our house. So, you know, I, enter all these new characters into my life with like their different values and different morals and different things. So I sometimes feel like a little bit of a hodgepodge, Mm -hmm. but like my family's the place that I get to like live out what I think I always wanted Mm. or be my authentic self or test things that, you know, like boundaries. Like, Like I'm saying, like just kind of, it's my first place where I feel like I have any real control and no idea what I'm doing. Yes. And nobody to ask. Yeah. Like, you know, you had yeah. asked me before, Heidi, like, what is it that um, made you, like, what inspires your, like, positive attitude? And it's like, I don't sometimes know if, if that's, like, intentional, right? Like, yeah. I just, I've, my mom passed away unexpectedly six years ago. Mm, so sorry. It, it does suck. I say yeah. this to people. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, the like gang you never wanted to get initiated into Mm, yes like Mm -hmm. grief is hard yeah Mm -hmm. and it's messy Mm -hmm. and it's individual and it's like growing up on the pacific coast i will tell you it's that sleeper wave Mm -hmm. that sucks you to see and then spits you back out on shore over and over and over and the one thing i continuously learn is that through that process of messy the world is still shining and like on really, really, really dark days, there's like always a weird little spark or a little mm-hmm. light or like the innocence of my kids yeah. or teaching preschool has been a absolute life, ro- mm-hmm. like life raft for mm-hmm. me. Wow. When that opportunity came and I was still like really grappling with grief and every day I got to go into a room <laughs> with 20 souls that had just been on the earth for four years and their lights are, I mean, that is the brightest light. Children shine the brightest light. This is why Jesus wanted to teach the children, right? Because their light is so luminescent. Yes. It is so magnificent. And God gave me that. God gave me this like (laughs) safe place to go and see these like shining beacons of light and like refill my dark days. Yeah. So it just makes you believe like it's going to be okay. Yeah. Like God didn't promise you at any point. Like I remember Callum, my youngest was born. Um, we had a trauma at birth. Mm-hmm. And so he went like immediately to the NICU and I was at a different hospital. Like he wasn't even named. It was emergency C-section. And I remember they wouldn't let me stay at the hospital with him. So my husband was there. My mom had flown in. And I remember one night, like I would stay up all night when my husband was asleep there because I was so afraid because my husband was asleep and he wasn't staring at the baby. So I wasn't getting like messages of what was happening. I would stay awake and just like talk out loud Mm. to God. And I would say like, what am I going to do if this doesn't turn out how I want it to be, Lord? Like what you tell me, Lord, like, how am I going to be okay? I'm not going to be okay. If you don't give me my way, like my way, Lord, is that I want this kid to be okay. And Mm. if you're not going to give me my way, what are you going to do with me? Wow. Wow. And I remember just sitting there crying, awake, talking out loud 
to God and like really coming to the reality of like, God didn't tell you it wasn't going to be hard. That's right. Yeah. It's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He told you he won't leave you. God yeah. didn't leave me there. He let me talk to him. Mm-hmm. He listened. He made me feel safe. He poured the tears out of my eyes. Yeah. He gave me signs of hope. He, I mean, I have a beautiful, perfectly well, normal story. And that is not always the case. That's right. But it gave me a new perspective. Yeah. And it gave me the safety that God's got it. I mean, it's not going to always go how you want. Yeah. I don't want, I did not want to lose my mom. Yeah. Never thought that was going to happen. Never a day in my life did I think my mom would outlive my dad. Mm. But God gave me this huge underbelly. I have the best relationship of my whole life I've ever had with my dad. Wow. Because it was time to be intentional with my parent and get to know that other parent Mm. and maybe put to bed all those things that you grapple with when you are a kid reflecting on your parent, right? Because you reflect back at your parents and you think, well, this or maybe that or this or that. And when you lose a parent, you just go, I don't think any of it matters anymore. Wow. None of it matters. Set it all. Like I I use the analogy of like a bookshelf. Like Mm -hmm. I just put, now I can put people like where they go on the bookshelf. And like, I don't expect that they're going to go up a shelf or down a shelf. Like they're Mm -hmm. just where they're at. And when I want to find that book, I go get it. Wow. And I take it and I read it and I leave it and I let it be a warm and fuzzy read instead of having expectations anymore. Like just enjoy what you do have left because all those things don't really matter. What really matters is all those things you went through are your fiber. They're part of your story. Mm -hmm. That's who I am. Without those things, I wouldn't be who God designed me to be. That's right. So not mad about it. Not anymore. Wow. Wow. And maybe that's the underbelly. Wow. Like maybe that's that I was supposed to work some of that out in the aftermath of my grief. Or maybe I was supposed to take a look at that and decide what kind of parent I want to be. You know, maybe wow. you look at it and say like, I like, like a recipe. Like I'll take a little bit of this and a mm-hmm. little bit of this and a yeah. little bit of this. And, mm-hmm. you know, well, this family friend kind of gives me this perspective and, you know, this scripture gives me this perspective, mm-hmm. but it really is, like I said before, a hodgepodge. Mm-hmm. Like it's what all, all it is. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's just a hodgepodge. Wow. That's what parenting is. Yeah. That's really good. That yeah. is such good advice. Mm-hmm. Okay, I feel like we could keep talking. We could. You're not going to believe our time is up. (gasps) Can you believe it? No, I feel like we just started questions. I know, I know. But this has been so good. And I feel like I have had chills multiple times because I feel like there has been very specific things you've said that are so important for people to hear. And if you're listening and you you feel like this is resonating with Mm -hmm. you, I really want you to take an opportunity to ask the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Why did I feel so connected to what she said there? Why did I feel convicted with what she said there? Why did I get chills? Yes. And ask the Lord to show you what that is for you. Because that is why we do this show. It's not to gain a following. It's not to do the cool podcast thing. It's because people's lives need reached. And we believe people's stories do that so exceptionally well. And so, Courtney, I want to thank you for sharing your story, for giving us pictures into what it looks like to be you. Thank you for inviting me and thank you for encouraging me to let down my walls. You asked me about that. This is it. Saying yes to this. I'm so proud of you. That was hard for me. So thank you for encouraging me to be vulnerable. Just some girl you met at a 
baseball game and <laughs> for maybe seeing a little extraordinary because looking at your own extraordinary is a lot harder. So it is. There's a Thank lot you. of extraordinary yeah. in you. So much a so. Lot. And local listeners, if you're in the Peoria area, go to the Fox Pub and support them because their food is outstanding, their drinks are outstanding, their service is wonderful. You're sweet. Thank you. I have been so proud of you guys through this craziness. Um, There was one night that we were like, we really, really, really need to go out to dinner and we found your restaurant open. Thank you. And it was such a light in that moment of us needing a place to land and rest mm-hmm. and eat and feel be served. a bit normal. And it felt yeah. so normal in the most wonderful way. Thank you. I feel really blessed to have such a fabulous team yeah. of people who have stuck with us yeah. and just such a loyal customer base yeah. who has believed in us. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one thing that um, we walked away with out of all of this is just like we felt so loved when you are so tired and so unsure if you should keep pushing on Mm -hmm. the way that this community has supported our business and our family and our staff has been extraordinary. Mm, I love that. Yeah. We feel really blessed. So yeah, thank you. And they have really, you guys do your own, you can like walk out the door with a case of your beer. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that so fun? We do. We can beer. It is super fun. That was kind of, you know, it's something that the craft beer market had moved to. And when COVID kind of shut the doors down. I mean, my husband and I were like really just pivot after pivot after pivot. And he said, that's it. We're doing it. Like we're going to just get this off the ground. And he did it really quickly. And so he brought it in fast and we started having a really good time with it. So I think people had fun, like they could get their food and pick out their favorite craft beer and it still kind of kept our identity alive without having to lose some of the edge. I mean, you just have to be flexible, which Ladies, you guys know teaching your kids to be flexible is so hard. So that yes. is a behavior you have to model, right? Yes. Like the so flexibility. So good. Only thing that's constant is change. Yes. Well, that's the so. first reason. The first way I heard about you is our mutual friends, Charlie and Lauren, walked yeah. into our house during the pandemic one night with food yeah. from the Fox Pub and with beer. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, and they said, oh, our friends own this place. And we we had not been. And now we've been. And uh yeah, I just think like what a what a fun thing to meet the faces behind a place like that, mm-hmm. you know, yes. and just to go. This isn't just a restaurant. This is someone's livelihood. Mm-hmm. This is someone's place. This is we someone's say second it's kind home. Kind of an extension of our house. Like I find myself, like I used to serve all the time, and when I would serve, I would find myself like walking people to the door and like saying goodbye from the door, <laughs> oh, like you do at your yes, home. You know, yes. like when they go to their car, if they've come from a dinner party for yeah. a dinner party, and you'd be like, okay, bye. And I said to my husband, it's like, it really is like just an extension of our home. And that's one of the things we try to really teach the people who join our team is that this is a place where people should come and feel comfortable. And like, that's what a pub is, at least in Europe. It's a a family place. It's not just a bar or a place where people come to get a meal or a drink. It's about um, connection. Yes. And believe it or not, I am probably the most friendly and outgoing introvert you'll ever meet. So <laughs> I can really go and appreciate that and then also go home and recharge. Yes. So, yeah. That's yes. so good. I know. <laughs> well, we are so glad to connect with you. Thank you so much for having me. This is I wasn't nearly as nervous and it was a lot more fun than I thought it would Yay. be. So good. thank you. We're so glad to hear that. <laughs> well, friends, thanks for tuning in. I'm confident you've heard something today that has encouraged you and helped you to feel like you are doing a really great job 
yeah. in your world that you're in right yeah. now. And something to challenge you too and to say, hey, yep. this is this is an area that I need to take a look at. I need to take a deep dive in my own heart, yeah. in my own soul and and be reflective. I love you. Use that word a lot. Be yeah. reflective about the things that are going on inside of you. That's right. Thank you for listening. We will chat with you next time. 